God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child. Let me tell you something. One thing is for sure. I miss you. When we don't get to get together like every day, I look forward to us coming together on this podcast. I see all of your comments. I see you guys downloading and subscribing and rating and talking about how the podcast is helping you. I've been so busy and stressed and blessed, but also stressed and also blessed and it's just a vicious cycle but you know what I know that you understand because this week at Woman Evolve we've been talking all about our revolutionary capacity for stress like is it possible that anyone could be even more stressed than we are stressed and so on this episode I decided to get some help from Dr. Tama Bryan who better to talk to us about stress than her turn up the volume because you'll want to hear all of the things that she has to say whether you've been in a place of stress or are coming out of a place of stress and just need to make sense of it all this episode is going to help you let's get into it with Dr. Tama hi Dr. Tama Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Ah, beautiful. So am I. I'm so glad that we have time to do it. Me too. I've seen so much of your work and I know it's going to help me and then everyone else just gets to get the overflow of what happens here. Oh, thank you. And let me say I appreciate so much your transparency in your ministry. It is really healing and liberating and so many people are set free by your honesty. So thank you. Thank you. Well, let's set some more people free today. Yes, let's do it. Dr. Tamer, when I think about mental health awareness and I think about one of the number one drivers for my mental health fluctuating, I cannot help but recognize that stress is playing an incredible role role in my mental health from day to day, some from hour to hour, depending on what's happening, the stress of life. I'm wondering, because I know you have a book that talks about overcoming fear and trauma to reclaim your whole authentic self. It's called Homecoming. What do you think the connection between stress and fear is? Absolutely. So stress affects our nervous system. And our nervous system is is designed to respond in cases of crises. But for many of us, it's crises after crises. Mm. So that keeps us in a place of being dysregulated. And as a result of that, we become fearful. So we can be anxious about what might happen. And some of those fears, you can say, are not really grounded uh, in reality. Mm. But for many of us, those are fears that could actually take place. Yeah. And it can be a range of fears from how people will respond, whether we'll be rejected or accepted or validated, whether we'll be harmed or whether we'll be helped. And so we learn very early to, to scan our environment. And so we're often looking at the environment, trying to figure out, are you safe? Yeah. Is this place safe? Am I going to be okay here? And so many people are living on eggshells and poised to exit because you want to uh, jump ship before 
somebody else jumped ship or before you are evicted or moved out. Uh, and so the stress of life can keep us very fearful. And when we're living from a place of fear, we're living more from desperation than being rooted in the truth of who we are. Mm, do you think living from a place of fear is why we often find ourselves on this fine line between I'm just looking out for myself and strategizing about the possibilities in a way that is healthy and necessary for my children and for my responsibilities versus I'm taking in everything and feeling stuck. Like what is the difference between just being a responsible adult that looks at things from every perspective to someone who's really inundating themselves with thoughts that are harmful for their development? Yes. Great question. So it's important for us to look at Am I ever able to have ease? Ooh. Right? If I'm in a perpetual place of fear, anxiety, Hold, hold on, because that was rude what you just said. <laughs> that was rude. You're not going to keep on talking like you didn't just smack us in the face. Am I ever at ease? Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, and I love that. I call it sacred pause. Sacred pause yeah. to check in with myself. Of like, what does that feel like in my body, right? Wow. What does that feel like in my sleep? What does that feel like in my mind, mm. right? Do I ever have peace? Because as you name, sometimes we can think, well, I'm just the responsible one. Yeah. But if my responsibility has no rest to it, if I am the responsible one, but I'm not able to lean on anybody else, I'm not able to receive help, that I'm always guarded and defensive and strategizing, then I'm still in a trauma state. So, so this is what I don't like about you and Dr. Anita. And I know this is your first time on my podcast and it's not nice to say you don't like somebody, it's but right. I feel like we be having a conversation and then some kind of way you be therapizing me like right here on the spot in front of everybody. And I don't know how I feel about it. You know, that just helped me understand a lot about my life because when I wake up in the morning, I've been doing this recently where I wake up at like four thirty, five o'clock and I'm yeah. not, I'm not a morning person. Like I would not be the one who says I can get up early, but I was doing this challenge and I had to get up in order to complete my task. And what I learned about getting up that early is that it allows me to have stillness and it allows me to have time for myself. Because when I wake up to the demands of someone else, whether it's my daughter or my husband or my cell phone going off, I start the day off balance. And I think that we may have to steal moments of ease in a life that is constantly moving. Yes, absolutely. I love that you've discovered that because it's actually one of the recommendations is to wake up before you have to get up. Mm. Right. So if we set our alarm for the time we need to jump out of bed. We've already started the day off balance. So right. Because now it's go, go, go. Or people who press snooze a million times. Yeah. And then, you know, you think you gave yourself a buffer, but you're literally waking up at the time you need to jump up. And so I have to fill my well, like you fill your well in the morning. So I set the tone for my day. Mm -hmm. If I don't do that, then I am going through my day in a lot of ways, very thirsty, yeah. very empty wow. and easily irritated, Oof. easily thrown off. But when I fill my well, then people can show up and do whatever they're going to do. And I'm already grounded. And so I'm, I'm so glad you discovered that in the mornings. 
I yeah, I'm having a sacred pause moment because I feel like I found a way for me to show up in my life because the thing about stress is that it also makes you feel inadequate because if I am stressed, then maybe I can't handle it. Maybe I don't deserve Mm -hmm. to be here. Maybe I need to quit when maybe what we need instead is to find Mm -hmm. those moments of ease to steal them and create them so that we feel capable of showing up Mm -hmm. in the life that is a blessing, right? A lot of times what we're stressed about are blessings, but because Mm -hmm. we're stressed, we can't even receive the anointing connected to the life that we live in, which means we don't get the anointing that it is assigned to bring forth in us either. Yes, it's so true what you're saying that stress builds insecurity. Mm. And let me say for gifted people as well, that when you are gifted, we also have to learn boundaries and saying no which is different from how a lot of us were raised. And I know we're both preacher's kids, pastor's kids, and we're often in the church taught, if you have the gift, whenever whenever someone asks of the gift, you must say yes, Mm -hmm. right? And so realizing that not every assignment is my assignment, right? There are many, many gifted people. And so I'm not a mini Messiah. And so I would be less stressed If I stop saying yes to things I don't need to say yes to, Mm. right? So then being restful and at ease is not only about my sleep, but about the rhythm of my day and my week where I can have freedom to say no, which will then energize me for the things I actually need to say yes to. Okay, so we're talking a lot about day to day and how we show up in our lives uh, from a place of rest and being anchored and peaceful. I want to talk a little bit about I don't even know if this is a thing, but I'm glad I'm talking to you because you can help me clean up whatever I mess up. But the stress of decades of trauma or the stress Mm -hmm. of generational stress and how it shows up in our life. I want to talk about the stress that we carry from our trauma and the stress that we carry that has been projected onto us and how can we even separate the two? Mm -hmm. So it has what we would call a cumulative effect. It builds on each other Mm -hmm. and uh, it can multiply or magnify what we're holding. So I'm so glad you named it because a part of the stress we carry didn't start with us. That we receive our mother's anxiety. We receive our father's anxiety and despair. So that intergenerational piece, you know, you think about how does it get passed down? So one way it gets passed down is in the body. So they've actually done research that shows trauma shifts the brain And then that can get passed down in the generations. The beautiful part, something called neuroplasticity, which means the brain can change, is then healing can shift the brain as well. Mm -hmm. And then I can pass that down. You can pass that new feeling down to your children. Uh, But not only does it show up in our bodies, it shows up in what we were taught. And so when you had parents and grandparents, like, you know, within our heritage that had to be in survival mode, then we received messages like always stay ready. Never let people see you weak. Always basically have that mask on. Always be blessed and highly favored. Never show the brokenness. And so those kinds of scripts are stressful. You know, you put that on the weight of children 
that at all times, even when you're breaking, you must look excellent. Mm. So then there is not room for our humanity or our healing. So we notice uh, it being passed down also by how we saw our families uh, navigate the world. How did they handle stress? And we can find ourselves repeating those same things, doing those same things and haven't really thought about it. So some of the things are helpful and some of the things did not serve them and do not serve us. So wanting to break that cycle. And then you name our own trauma, right, as well of what has happened in our lives. And one of the myths is that time heals wounds. And that's a lie. Time by itself is not going to shift you. You know, even if it was when you were five years old, eight years old, and some people think it was so long ago, why does it still bother me? Well, I've never had room and space to even grieve it. We want people to jump to Mm. healed and strong and resilient and better. And I heard uh, one minister in a chaplaincy course, he said, every church now has a praise team, but what we need is a lamentation team. Mm. You know? What if people don't feel like turning to their neighbor? What if they don't feel like running a lap? Is it real sanctuary? Can I show up really as I am? Even if that's not wow. uh, the top of the world, even if that's not high praise, is there a place in our sanctuary and in our friendships for those who are in the valley of the shadow of death? Pausing. I'm not I'm not frozen. I just pause because. Yeah. I think that that helped me understand what I think happens at Woman Evolve. I think that when we are together in a room, that maybe it's the transparency, maybe it's the mm-hmm. vulnerability, but it gives yeah. people permission to say, ouch. And and yes. we don't leave there, but, mm-hmm. but we start there. Yes. And I wonder what role do you think connection can play and us Mm -hmm. creating space for someone to say I'm not doing okay and how do we become that person who can receive that without ingesting it ourselves and not being okay Mm -hmm. like what is that dynamic right I love that and and beautiful the spaces that you all are creating and building because transparency is contagious and when you have people who are respected and people know you love God. And so if you love God and can struggle in that way, Mm -hmm. right, is that it frees up the permission instead of that myth of, you know, I call it emotional prosperity gospel, Mm. which is like, (laughs) you know, if I love God, I'll be joyful every day, right? (laughs) You know, but I can be blessed and stressed and that's the truth, right? I could be grateful, grateful and still disappointed, Um, And so then, as you name the importance of community, bearing witness, and that, you know, was the gift of in the old school church testimony service, (laughs) right? (laughs) That lets us know that it's possible, right? Because what happens is when people are in moments of devastation, they're looking around to, to see, is there life after this? And if the only people who are talking about it are the people who are still in devastation, then there is no hope, right? And many of us, once we work through it, we no longer speak about it. So then people don't know. They think, well, you look all great up there. It must have, your life must have been easy, is what people will like to say. And it's like, I'm glad you think so. I'm glad you think so. (laughs) 
Do you yes. think, is there a way to live stress-free? Like, is there a way to live constantly at ease? And I ask this because I feel like that's what we're all reaching for, but we're not sure that it actually exists. Right, right. So it's another beautiful question because there is something called healthy stress. Mm. So healthy stress is motivating. It's like adrenaline. It's like if someone just accepted the call to preach and they say they're nervous. And we say that's good, right? That you're taking it seriously, right? If you're just like, oh, I got it, I got it. You know, we would give a little pause. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you sure you have it? So when, um, so you can ask yourself, the, the nerves that I feel, the stress that I feel, is it motivating? Is it mobilizing? Is it energizing? Do I feel nervous but capable or nervous Mm. and with God I'm capable or is it leaving me stuck, stagnant, empty, despairing? Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just you just keep you in and I'm just still listening to see what else comes, (laughs) because I think that that's such um, those are such necessary things for us to understand that there is a healthy stress and that that stress is there to serve us into becoming us and discovering who we are and what we are capable of. I want to talk for a minute about someone who feels completely at the end of their rope. And Mm -hmm. like they can't handle anything else. And what do we say to them? How do Mm -hmm. we help them to um, find that place of ease? Yeah, beautiful. And and this is so important because the answer is actually the opposite of what we often think. And I would say the first thing you give them is sacred presence. Mm. Because sometimes we avoid them until... We think of what we think is the very perfect thing to say. Mm. And what that perfect thing to say often feels like to the person is cliche and um, like a pep talk. And when we come to someone who is despairing with these little catchphrases or even just our favorite scripture, it can actually be silencing, right? Mm. Because what I may be communicating is if you repeat this verse everything should be fine. So let me see you tell me everything is fine, right? So instead of showing up with the pep talk, I wonder if we can think about the ministry of sitting someone, sitting with someone in the valley to help remind them who they are until they have the strength to get up and we walk through it together. You Well, you know why we can't do that. It's because we're not sitting in our own valleys. So yes. like if I'm not sitting in mine, mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to sit in yours. Right. And right. the faith that we have to offer someone may not be in the cliche. It may not be in the scripture. It is in the testimony of this was my yes. valley and I sat mm-hmm. in it and overcame. Don't you yes. think that we avoid people's despair, darkness mm-hmm. and disappointment? Because I'm running right. from mine, so I can't run right. into yours. Yes, we have often had no uh, practice with people showing up for us. Mm. So then you'll have people who will say things like, well, I was molested and I just got over it. So I don't know what she keeps crying about. Yeah. So you never had your space and now you don't know that it's needed or even how to give it. Wow. So sometimes it's about learning to give what I never received, which Mm. requires what you're referring to is that self-reflection 
of what did I need to hear in that moment, even if I never got it, right? What would have, because sometimes we get amnesia, like we can get very forgetful about those seasons of our lives and just go into this idea of tough love. And I think tough love is often a cover and a justification for cruelty Mm. and insensitivity, right? So instead to say, uh, to reflect back what people are sharing of, I don't have to make you say it's not painful, right? Or like someone is grieving the loss of a loved one and we say things like, well, at least they're in a better place. Yeah. Well, at least you had them for the time you had them. <laughs> or God needed them for his heavenly choir. <laughs> and it's like, you know, let's, let's come all the way into our humanity and God will meet us there of you miss your mother, you know, yeah. you miss your sister. Yes, it's painful. It's painful to not be able to just pick up the phone and call them. Uh-huh. So let's be there. Uh, That is so good to me. I'm thinking about people who are finally receiving permission in this conversation to be where they are. Um, I read a book called Homecoming about healing your inner wounded child. It came out decades ago. Uh, I I love love that your book is called Homecoming, too, because there is a coming to oneself that I think empowers us to show up fully. How would you define what homecoming is, not necessarily even the book, but what it means for a person to come home. Yes. To come home to yourself is to reclaim the truth of who you are without the shame or the distortions, Mm. to tell yourself the truth and then live from that truth. Then you're at home, no matter who's around. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to work from my own story because I'm here. So I want to understand what does homecoming look like for for my life because I want to serve hopefully as an example for someone else. So to live in the truth of my trauma, to live Mm -hmm. in the truth of my choices and truth and decisions without Mm -hmm. shame. How do you, because this has been, I think one of my greatest learning curves when it comes to just living from a place of coming to myself is like, how do you release yourself Mm -hmm. from the self-disappointment, the penalizing of self so yeah. that you are no longer judging a version of who you used to be while becoming mm-hmm. who you want to be at the same time. Yeah, so good. So two things. One is we have to recognize what does it look like when I'm not at home? Mm. So if you're willing to share, I'll ask you emotionally okay. or in terms of your behavior, what do you look like, feel like, or what are the things you're doing when you're disconnected or not grounded in yourself. Mm, I am living in my head, rehearsing memories, rehearsing things that I didn't do well. I am having a lot of negative self-talk. I am skeptical of what other people say about me. And I am not motivated to try and do anything that would perhaps make my life better or make me feel better because I don't think that I deserve the better based off of what I did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for the truth. And what has it cost you? I think the greatest cost is Mm -hmm. the inability to really receive my life 
and to live in it from a place of enjoyment without having a fear that it could be taken away from me at any moment. Sacred pause. Mm. Right. And if it aligns with you, if you can just place one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, cleansing breath. It's a lot of pressure and stress to never be at home, as you said, in your own life, in your own blessing, because of the fear, which is that survival mode. And so the second part of the answer is compassion, mm. right? self-compassion, right? So you can release your hands, but it's about acknowledging, I miss the me that Eva, either I haven't been in a long time or the me I've never been. Wow. Right? So however long your survival mode started, right? That's when that tension showed up, mind, body, heart, spirit. And so what it takes is actually revisiting those stories and to look at it as if it was someone else's story. Because often we are harder on ourselves <laughs> than we are on other people, right? If another sister came up to you and told you her testimony as your testimony, you wouldn't blame her. Wow. Right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? That was foolish. That was the, you know, so we can be uh, compassionate, some people, com more compassionate toward others than ourselves. And we also want to recognize the illusion of control. We put a lot of weight on our younger selves who didn't know what we knew, right? So I'm judging myself through the mindset of what I know now and can't believe at 19, I did that. At 16, I did that. At 22, last year, I did that, <laughs> right? Because I didn't know. I didn't know. And so it can help us to release it to say, I'm going to own the part that's my baggage, but one, I'm going to stop carrying the baggage for other people's behavior, right? So the ways in which my life set me up for the choices that I made. So we want to connect the dots because some people will say to themselves, I don't know why I did that. It didn't make sense. But I tell people, if you take me farther enough back in your story, it actually makes sense. Wow. Right? Wow. So once I realize the setup of like, oh, I know why at that age, that's where my mind was, then I can give myself a lot more compassion. Mm. We're coming off the heels of Mother's Day, and I, it would be remiss of me to not acknowledge the stress that so many mothers experience in trying to create a better path for their children, whether that path is a better emotional path or perhaps it's literally a more stable financial path than they've had what do you say to the woman who is experiencing the stress of trying to make a better future without maybe the support that she needs, whether that support is in a village or even the internal emotional wherewithal to feel like she's mm -hmm. capable of manifesting this, the vision that she has in mind? Yeah. So to moms, I would say your breath is important. Your needs are important. Your joy is important. Mm -hmm. Your wellness and wholeness, all of those things are important. 
and the dreams you desire to make come true for your children, that it's also not too late for you. Wow. And so to not forget yourself, not to neglect yourself, not to erase yourself, trying to be this mythic idea of what the ideal mother and especially the ideal black mother or the ideal Christian mother looks like. Because often the model that we have been taught is one of self erasure mm. where you become a mom and like, and then your, and your world stops. Right. But you have dreams and goals and needs as well. And when we don't attend to our mental health and these other pieces, it also is going to affect our parenting. So to not always put yourself last, which usually means I never get to myself. And then in terms of the lack of support, I want to say sometimes we have to shift our timeline, mm. right? That, you know, for example, I teach in a graduate school program and, um, you know, there was a, a husband and father who was in the program and he was in my lab and he was turning in all his things on time. And there was a young woman in the program who was married with children and she was always asking for extensions. And so she stayed after lab meeting with me one day and was very upset and said, you know, I'm a parent just like him. And I just feel so embarrassed because my stuff is always late. I said, let me help you with this. Your lab mate, who is a husband, has shared with me that his wife bought him earplugs so he will not be disturbed at night. Mm. He sleeps through the night and then he has protected time to do his schoolwork where he is not allowed. No one can bother daddy. Right. That is not your life, mom. Yeah. And so to compare yourself to him is unfair. So, yes, you're going to finish the program, which she did. And it also might take you some more time. And so we have to release these false comparisons when we don't have the same support somebody else is receiving. Mm. And also the last thing I'll just say about that is release the need to be the strong one in your circle Yikes. and develop some mutual friendships, some reciprocal iron sharpens iron. And so if you're the strong one in your group, you need another group. Mm. You need another group that where we can emotionally, spiritually, practically support each other. You know, I have a group of powerful women that meet once a month and everybody receives and everybody gives. And that's a different kind of dynamic. Nobody leaves drained. And so that's what we need to cultivate in our lives. Who that draining? Because we already know yes. who the people are. We see the message. Mm -hmm. We see the post. And then take it on yeah. as our responsibility to fix whatever right. is going on with them. I feel yeah. like so many women have, and maybe men do too. I ain't never been a man, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> ain't I a woman though? And <laughs> I feel like we have a savior complex where we feel like mm -hmm. if it's broken, it's my job to nurture it back yeah. to health. And yes. uh, so a lot of men that I know is like, if it's broken, maybe it needs to stay broken. Like, unless mm -hmm. <laughs> it may not be my job to fix my husband's right. good for that. Yes, yes. To uh, say to yourself, um, I don't need any more projects, mm. right? Sometimes we have surrounded ourselves with ministry and there is no space for reciprocity. Wow. And so that can speak to an issue within us. Uh, because, see, when I, when I am the one pouring, no one has to see me, mm. right? There's no vulnerability there. I'm the one that's just speaking life to you. 
But you, we all benefit from having spaces where we can come up off the stage or come up off being the strong one or the mini messiah um, and show up in honesty. That's, that's freedom. And that's where growth takes place. You know, that's so good because as a leader, I can always tell the person who is like so committed to serving, but also doesn't want to be seen. For me, that builds a distrust because Mm -hmm. I don't want you just because of how you serve. Like, I want to know who you are. And when I don't have access to who you are, I feel unsafe because I just Mm -hmm. don't know what all is under there. And I think that part of being in relationship with someone in any capacity is having the privilege of getting to know them so that you understand Mm -hmm. what moves them and what excites them. And and I'm excited as a leader to continue to cultivate relationship with my team that allows Mm -hmm. them to be seen and for me to be seen too. Yes. And it's such a beautiful, liberating, different model of leadership. And this is one of the things I think a lot of churches misunderstood the data. So, you know, there's this mass exodus from churches, from young adults, And the Pew Research Group and others have done these studies to find out the issue. And it came out that people wanted more transparency, right? They wanted not to just be high and lifted up, but uh, relatable in a sense or real. People look for realness. So how did churches interpret that? Well, now they all want pastors who wear jeans with like ripped jeans and undershirts, right? (laughs) Right? So they they just changed their uniform and they're like, now we're relatable. And it's like, where's your heart, yeah. right? Where, Where is the truth? Because one of the things about trauma survivors is we had to develop the capacity to discern people quickly. Mm. So we read real and we read fake very easily. <laughs> <laughs> and so when people are, you know, up there or call themselves leaders and what you feel is that fakeness, as you said, there's no trust and I can't get anything if I can't trust you. And so the truth telling is, is necessary. Okay, so we have some truth to tell in this advice question. I don't know where it's headed, but I do want to say that this advice question in this particular episode does contain a potentially triggering discussion about domestic violence abuse and may not be suitable for younger audiences or for someone who's still navigating that pain within their own heart. So listener discretion is strongly advised. Um, I'm going to get into the question now. Hey, Pastor Sarah, let me start by saying thank you for your obedience and using your platform to share with women like me all over the world. Your light, your story, and your transparency is truly a blessing to me. I'm a faithful listener of the Woman Evolve podcast, and I never would have thought that I would be the one who would ever submit an advice question, but here it goes. For the last couple of months, I've experienced emotional abuse in a relationship that I, by the grace of God, was able to pick up enough courage to walk away from. I have been in therapy and for the most part have gained some really good knowledge and tips on moving forward and forward in my previous experience. There's a typo there. I know that as time progresses, things will get better. But one of the things that I do now do know now is that I do not recognize in the person I have become after the 
abuse. Okay, I do not recognize the person that I have become after the abuse. I find myself reacting to things in ways that I never would have. I'm a lot more emotional, anxious, and sometimes certain things trigger my memory. I know that those things come with the territory, and my therapist has given me tips to use, such as feel what I'm feeling, journaling, and other things, and those things are great. But I often ask God on repeat, when will this season of my life be over? When will I get back to normal? When will I recognize the woman that I see in the mirror? I've never struggled with depression or anxiety until this point, And I want to know when things will go back to normal. My question is, how can I be patient and effective in what God is trying to do in this season of my life? I know this won't be forever, but why do the good days seem to be so far away? Mm, thank you. Thank you for your courage. And, and I want to say, you are not alone. And I appreciate that you were already tapped into the ministry. And I think that's important for us to name because sometimes we have this idea that those of us who are on the faith walk will never have these valleys. Mm. We bring up these issues as if it's something to help people out there, like in the world, right? But in in our on our pew within yeah. us um, are these challenges. And I want to name... Uh, there is nothing shameful about what you were desiring. You were desiring love. Some people say, like, how did I end up here? Right. You were desiring mm -hmm. love. You were desiring companionship. And I am so glad that you were able to escape uh, in terms of not recognizing yourself. I want to let you know. In the season you're in, you're in good company. Yeah. Monica Coleman, who has a wonderful book called uh, Bipolar Faith, talks about how after the cross, Jesus was unrecognizable, mm -hmm. even to his disciples. Right? People didn't know it was him. And that's how what trauma does is it can leave you unrecognizable to yourself or to other people. It changes you. And so... Uh, giving yourself the space and permission to heal, which is a part of what you're doing in therapy. And I think what happens when you say how is often we're looking to myself and there is bad news and good news for you. So the bad news is you're not going to be her. You're not going to be her. Oh, Dr. Taman, can you hold on one second? The you didn't know, right? The internet connection is unstable, uh, and I want to hear the good news and the bad news. We're gonna try and get that. Is it? You started moving again, so maybe. Okay. I can hear you. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. At first, your image was frozen, but now it's uh, moving some. Yeah. Um, and what about me? Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, the good news and the yeah. bad news about getting back to yes. the way things were. Right. So the bad, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is you're not going to be who you used to be because our experiences shape us but it won't just shape us in terms of the negative, but it shapes us with new wisdom. Mm. So there are some warning signs you wouldn't have known to look out for before, 
that even though right now you feel like they're triggers and you can't discern, there are ways that you are tapped in or tuned in to yourself, to other people that you didn't have before. There's a clarity about what you want and what you will not tolerate. So while we often think about post-traumatic stress, there can also be post-traumatic growth. Wow. And so you are evolving and growing. And so release the timeline and be present for the process. Well, you said everything I was going to say because I, I so empathize and sympathize with the idea of I, when are things going to go back to the way they were? And I think it yeah. hit me one day that like how they were is over. Those days mm-hmm. have come to an end and that doesn't necessarily have yeah. to have grief connected to it. Mm-hmm. If I'm willing to mine the experience to get the gold yeah. and the wisdom that is yes. a result of what I've gone through. So that was uh-huh. so beautiful. I love that. Mind the wisdom. I talk about pulling the wisdom out of my wounds, pulling it out of there so that trauma affects us, but it doesn't define us, but it has an impact. So allowing myself to recognize that and then um, surrounding myself with safer spaces. Some of us, our healing is delayed because we are around unhealthy people Mm. and unhealthy relationships. So I uh, would encourage the writer and for others to not jump out of one harmful place and into another, right? Give yourself healing room and breathing room. So then you can go forward with some clarity. And then one more thing I will say, a part of the healing will only take place in relationship. Mm. Right. So while I say there's an internal process, I have plenty of clients who in therapy, they sound ready for a relationship. But in the abstract is one thing. Right. <laughs> when you're actually in the presence of somebody, that's that's putting it. That's the application of uh-huh. like now. What does this really look like to not cancel the date because you wore the same cologne as the other person? Right. Mm. So a part of your healing will take place. In relationship. Oh, I hate that you said that. <laughs> we almost, I almost started turning the corner and we are full circle back to where we started because when I first met my husband, could not tell me nothing. I was on top of the world. I was healed. I had my own house. Yes. I was taking care of my children. I had a career path I was moving towards. And I was yeah. like, listen, I'm glad that it didn't work out. Look at me. I'm doing fine. I'm excellent. Then we got married mm-hmm. and I'm like, you rub me. You rubbing up against things that I thought were okay. And maybe they weren't okay. And maybe I had issues and struggles and Mm -hmm. there's a humility. We want healing to be empowering and make us just Mm -hmm. invincible. And like Mm -hmm. there's this force field around us because I'm healed and now this will never happen to me again. And I am beginning to learn that healing is actually humility, that it Mm -hmm. makes you more empathetic. It makes you more gentle It makes you more open to the areas where you can grow and improve because healing the cause, the major issue, the major bullet Mm -hmm. wound is one thing, but healing Mm -hmm. the area around in those micro tears that we didn't see in the process, that makes us humble. Mm, I love that. And it's so true that healing and growth are uncomfortable. That's the growing pains because I'm having to do it another way, right? Our defenses and our go-to, that's how we're used to navigating. So if you tell me like not to be combative all the time or not to shut down immediately, 
that's going to be uncomfortable. So like leaning into the discomfort, knowing my healing is on the other side of that. It's me. Okay, so I'm going to just share a proud moment because now you're my therapist and we at the end of our therapy right. session. Yes. But um, yes. it's so funny. So I've had that thing where I don't speak up. I shut down immediately. And my husband is very direct and he will like, he wants to know, he wants me to speak up. Like he's like, just tell me whatever's in your mind right now. And I'm like, this is nothing. I feel like it's, it's closing <laughs> yeah. in on me. But um, the other day he we were talking and we've got a lot going on with the house and the kids and he was traveling and he was like, if you needed me to come home, you you should just tell me that you need me to come home. And I was like, just because I had a stressful day doesn't mean that I need you to come home. Like we're in a stressful season. And so, yes, I had a stressful day, but it was me being able to mm-hmm. not shut down, to not yeah. get upset that he was making mm-hmm. me feel like I couldn't handle it. But to say mm-hmm. it's OK for me to feel yeah. overwhelmed at 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get some great rest and I'm going to wake up tomorrow ready yeah. to win the day. But I was able mm-hmm. to advocate for myself. And my husband was yes. like, you know, I just love you and to see him adjust to where I was helped me to realize Mm -hmm. that I have more space in the relationship than I gave myself credit for and and so I'm learning to not Mm. be and you want to talk about stress it is stressful in the beginning because you don't know what the reaction is going to be but the more we step into our truth those who are called to walk with us will navigate Mm -hmm. that truth with us and my husband's been impeccable at doing that. I love it. And so that's an important piece for people to know, tell the truth, and then their reaction will let you know the future. Mm. Right. If I'm afraid to speak my truth in your presence and I speak it and it and now you look at me some kind of way yeah. uh, that is negative, then maybe you're not the one to walk with me, whether in friendship or otherwise. But as you have named those who are called to emotionally equipped, spiritually equipped to journey with us, they will be able to handle and hold and appreciate our truth. Mm. Well, Dr. Tamman, thank you for holding my truth today and for handling me with welcome. such care. I'm so glad to, to be with you and to be with your healing community, evolving mm. community. Yeah, thank you. We love you so much. Love you too. Okay, God bless. Take care. Now, y'all know I couldn't let this episode in without giving a huge thanks to Dr. Tama for her time, expertise, and words of wisdom. We are truly so honored. Delegation, the co-host seat is still warm if you want to join me. Simply email a one to two minute video about why you should be my next co-host at podcast at womanevolve.com or send your advice question to the same email account and tune in to hear your question answered on a future episode. I love you. Find your place of ease this week. Live from it. Breathe from it. You matter. Take care.